Oh, I was totally illiterate. I couldn't read or write. It was an awful thing, you know. You'd get real embarrassed when you'd go about jobs and if you were out with friends and they might say, oh, did you see the evening paper? Did you see such a thing? They'd hand it to you to read and you might, you're just looking into space and you say, yeah, that's dreadful. And they're saying, and they're talking all about, you know, and you're just a fool and you're waiting for someone to say what was in the paper. I don't think any of my friends knew. You know, even today they don't. No, I just hide it all the time. The whole thing was academically geared. If you could keep up with the teacher and with the class level, with that number of pupils, that was fine. But if you could not, for whatever reason, if you if you missed out a lot in school and you fell behind from one day to the next, the teacher wasn't in a position to go back over what she had done over the last day or two and sit there and give you individual um individual help which was needed and you just fell more and more behind and lacked more and more confidence so in the end you just didn't bother if you found a job as a messenger boy or in the stores or something that would bring in the few pounds without going to school then and putting yourself through the necessary hassles you did it i always um wanted to read and write and I, every year I kept saying, I'll do it, I'll do it. And I just kept going a year later. I was getting a year older. So I decided, right, before my uh, kids leave school and leave home. And when kids go off, they don't need you. They make their own way in life. And I don't want them to be, I don't want them to depend on having to go to a neighbour and say, well, I got a letter from my son, my daughter. I want her to read it back to me. I want to be able to do it myself and correspond back to them more so than go for help in later life. That's where I decided to make the break now. In fact, in all cases, it's bad school experiences that, that the schools have failed the people, rather than the people failing the schools. So some of them do, but some of them don't. But I'd say in the majority of cases, they have inbuilt feelings of regret that their schools left them down. And uh, I think the blame is put on the people themselves, but in actual fact, it is the schools who are wrong classes are too big and people who are a bit miss school for various reasons for sickness or family reasons if they miss school for a bit they're left behind because the pressure is on for to get results and the kids who are going to pass the exams are going to get the attention and the people who are after falling a bit behind maybe are left go further and further behind until eventually they just lose touch and they lose interest i don't think people realize how hard it is not being able to read and write um, you're, somebody was saying here earlier on about going out um, with girls and things. Uh, I didn't go out with girls. First of all, because I didn't have the money, because I wasn't working. And uh, the other thing then was the embarrassment if they found out the fact that I couldn't read. Because uh, if I went into any building and there was a sign on a door, I'd automatically turn off and I'd turn around and go out again. The sign might have been only push. I know now that most signs on doors inside a push or pull, you know, <laughs> but that time I didn't. And uh, would you be confused now with Fear August Moreau? Oh Christ! I still, <laughs> I still be confused about that, you know. I know I'd probably be able to make 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 some sense out of it now, you know.
some of the thoughts of some of the people we'll meet in this programme about the search for literacy. People who live in Dublin's north side and Cork's north side. And we begin at the Education Rights Centre at 5 Churchfield Avenue in Cork City. This centre is located in a corporation house similar to hundreds of houses around it. And Maura Dorgan, who is the chief organiser of this literacy scheme, feels sure that this kind of location helps to break down any barrier that local people might have about not being able to read or write. That there's no great hassle about some activity that happens in a place just like their own, where they can come along and talk and learn to write about everyday things from their own lives. That's a little book there, nicely illustrated. What's it called? Having a Baby. That's right. No, that's done by one of the people in the group. Well, it, it is, and in fact, it's, it's an interesting book because it's, it's done by a, a woman who started coming from he for help and who now is coming as a helper. So she comes to one of the other groups as a helper. Um, she'd been coming maybe to, for support for a couple of years. And um, she wrote this uh, after her experience of having a baby in the hospital and how she sort of uh, at first thought that maybe uh, she wasn't going to get all the support she would like from her husband and how he turned up trumps at the end and was there when she needed him. So well, when she came here to you for support, no, it wasn't support for having the baby, it was support in learning how to read and write, wasn't it? Well, yes, I mean, that's, that's yes, that's true, obviously. <laughs> We're not in the business of, of the babies. But, uh, she, yeah, she came for support to, to read and write. And, and uh, she put a lot of work into it herself, and she got support here. And she was very regular in the groups. And, um, in fact, I suppose I should say that one of the difficulties in, 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 uh, in uh, reading and writing schemes is that there's very little material written by ordinary people about our own lives so one of the ways we've tried to work is to encourage people to write down their own stuff. So this is just what she wrote about herself. Um, I feel so tired. It is very hard to stay awake over the new baby. He's a very hungry child, and he wakes up every night at 2 o'clock to be fed. My husband feeds him. He wakes again at 6 o'clock, and I feed him then myself. It's grand to get a hand with him. The only thing about him is... He finds it very hard to break his wind, and he takes a lot to manage. And it goes on like that then. Then I found out I was, when I was, when I found out I was having a baby, I was glad but frightened because I had a clot in my leg and other things wrong with me. I knew I was taking a big chance, but I wanted a baby. I was still glad until I had to go into hospital. I was three months and I had to stay in for three weeks. It was not bad that time. When I had to go in again, I was five months. I found it very hard to come away from the children. I had to go into hospital five times after that. Well, I suppose I could go on reading that, really. But, but uh, you give us the idea that they write about what uh, the things that are in their that's right. minds, what they're concerned about at yes, the time. Yes, people write just exactly what they're all, what's happening in their own lives and what are, cons what are their concerns. And uh, it's easy then. I mean, any, any, another woman reading that would find it easy to identify with it, do you know? This one here now is called a new flat. Again, that's, that's another right. common thing. Well, it is. That's a girl living locally who uh, who was moving out and wanting to get a, a new flat. And um, 
it was obviously of a concern to her. In fact, she came down and we, she found the phone number and as all part of the learning, the adult education learning, she found the phone number, rang up about the flat, went down and then wrote about it. And that's, that's that little booklet there on, on that. And a day's walking and yes. nicely illustrated as well. Yes, so that's another, another young person. He's uh, unemployed. And obviously, if you go, um, if you're unemployed, you have a lot of time on your hands, as a lot of local people would be. And again, I suppose one should make the point that a lot of writing in literacy is, or in any other uh, area of writing, for that matter, is not. Um, it's very little to do with working class people and working class experiences. And in this community, there are hundreds and thousands of people out of work. So that, say, if another young person comes in, I, I mean, this lad writes, I go for a walk with my friends out to the country. We leave from the betting office. We start to go up Blarney Street, and we'll be walking. Um, we'll be talking about the weekend. When we reach the top of Blarney Street, we would head off into the fields. Well, that's all very local. When we come to Mount Desert, we will sit down for a while. Then we start to go through the woods. Sometimes we will see men cutting down wood for their own use. So when we come to the end of the wood, we're in a graveyard called Corocopan. Well, there, that's all local stuff, and anybody else locally reading that? I mean, anybody else here might feel, you know, that uh, that kind of stuff is about the locality and it's about people's lives, and that is no big mystery. Like, reading and writing is not a mystery. It's not something that you see that um, kind of hobnobs out there write, like ordinary people can write. We all can do it. And, and you show and, that you can we, do it yourself. And we do it. Yeah, that's what we're doing, really. I rang up and I made the appointment, and I came up here, and I, um, since then, I, I've been coming up here, right? I think it's, I, I find it's valuable anyway, you know. What did it do for you now, do you think? Um, well, they um, teach me how to um, how to look at the words and to make out the different uh, letters in the words, you know. And uh, when you came here now, were you not able to do that? Um, I, I was, yeah, in a, in a small way, you know, but not in a very big way. And could you have, say, opened the Cork Examiner or the Evening Echo and read the front page of it? Um, I, I could, yeah. But, but uh, you know, I, I wouldn't... Uh, I might be able to read the first two lines and then... Uh, That'd be it, yeah. That would be it, yeah. But now I'm, I'm able to go down a little more, like, you know, a little further. And uh, when you were in school, then, how did you manage? Uh, very bad. Um, the, my first uh, year at school, as a young fellow, like, uh, my teacher, I don't think, liked me very much, you know, and uh, I didn't um, get on very well with, with her, like, so I, I think that she, you know, that's partly the blame for the problem, you know. And did you ever get a beating then for not being good at reading or writing? I did, yeah, yeah. Plenty of it? Well, not plenty of it, but a, a small bit of it. Well, how did you decide then, after all the years, to come in here to you know, take up reading and writing again. What I, I made you feel like doing it? I, uh, well, I was listening to Dennis on the radio, as I said, and um, I decided, you know, that I, I, I had to do something, you know, and um, I had a talk at home, and um, 
they agreed, so I, I went to vote a lot. Yeah. Say now, when you were filling forms, were you able to do that? Um, or say, could you have looked up a telephone number in a telephone directory? Well, I could look it up, yeah, but I mean, uh, I'd have to, um, I'd have to get someone else to clarify it, you know? And when you're another while here now, you'll be able to do all that yourself? Hopefully, yeah. Hopefully. And how about writing letters then? Do you ever have difficulty with that, say, if you're away someplace and want to write a letter? Um, I don't. I, you know, I, I don't write, like, you know? But you'd like to? I'd like to, yeah, yeah, but, but I don't. I just, um, if there's a telephone handy, like, I'd, I'd ring, you know? But I, I, I couldn't, uh, couldn't write. I mean, I, I was offered a, a job, I was unemployed, and uh, I was offered a job there um, a couple of months ago, and it, it involved uh, writing, you know? And I was, I just couldn't, uh, I just couldn't accept it, you know? Because I was afraid, like, that uh, if I wrote down something wrong, like, you know, I could be in trouble, like, you know, and <laughs> I didn't want to take that chance. In general, people who have reading and writing problems don't hold any grudge against teachers from the past. But they still have strong recollections of isolation, as Dennis Leahy explains. The memories of my school days give me nightmares. I wasn't very smart at school. And the masters, instead of helping me, made fun of me and punished me. This fright and fear of masters made it very hard for me to ask for help. So I went hiding my schoolwork and not asking too many questions. I remember one master had it in for me. It was, Joe, I'm going to beat it into you if it kills me, which he did most of the time. But I never learned much. I was too scared. I wasn't the only slow boy at school. There were many more. And we were put in a row of our own and left there. The master called all rain, all row, the rubbish brain. I can still remember it as if it was today. To make matters worse, I was put standing in the corner of the classroom and the boys made fun of me. That really hurt. I felt so left out and oh so dumb. I felt so dumb I never said much about school at home because my sister was very smart and I was ashamed of my slow work at school. Over the years at school, I built up an inferior complex. I felt I couldn't learn. I thought I was brainless. When I finally left school and went into secondary, the last three years leading to my group cert were much the same thing, only that the teachers were much more helpful and understanding. But this was a problem. All my classes were broken into different periods, and this meant a different teacher for each subject. This was hard for me because the teachers, only having at most one hour, move along trying to get as much work done as possible. Most of the boys found this okay, but I realised I had a real problem because I was finding it so hard to keep in touch. When I asked for help, the teachers wanted to help me, but they hadn't much time to do so. Even though it wasn't the fault of the teachers in the secondary school, I slowly fell behind. I wanted to learn so much, but I found the pace too fast and so I met the big test. It was only groups at level, but to me it was going to be the biggest battle of my life. I felt sick, the things that ran through my head. All I expected was failure and shame. I knew the results would be put on show in the main hall for all to see. This was bad enough, but most of my cousins would see being in the same school. This was a lot for me to handle. I cried a lot that last few days before the exam in the privacy of my room, wanting it to end once and for all. 
I even felt like hurting myself so I wouldn't have to do the test, but I felt like jelly. I hadn't even the guts to do that. Well, I did a test, going through each paper as if it was some kind of interrogation. My head hurt from trying to do well. I passed the group set, just, but at least it was over. Now started the game of life. I was on my own over the last years at school. I became very independent working my, on my own over the years because who wants to be friends with a dunce? improved my writing, but I was always slow ass. I can read uh, very well, all right, but the writing was always the problem. Even um, at school, I could never really settle down to writing properly. And um, I think that's what really um, frightened me, No, No, I never got that much attention at school. And well, before you came here now, were you ever embarrassed because you couldn't write? Did you ever find yourself in any situation that upset you a bit? Um, sometimes, yes. No, when I, I thought I couldn't uh, write as well as some other people. But I hope to. No. Would you have Pro confidence yeah. now here within the group? Yeah, I, yeah, I have a little bit more confidence now. Yeah, and... And you feel uh -huh. that maybe in a few months you'll be much better again? Yes, and I um, also started typing, and I found that very good help as well. But and will you write so down one of your stories? Like we had some of the stories there, you know, happenings in a person's life, like looking for a new flat or having a baby or going for a walk or that. Will you write down some story as well and maybe type it then? Yes. And maybe yeah, the next yeah. time around you might read it for me. Yes. I left school at 14. I just could say I suppose I ran out of it. You know, 14 was the age at the time. The opportunity came for work. And there was plenty of work. I think people like myself all took the same attitude. They went to work raw, faced the embarrassment I have been left behind in school and faced the punishment. I left school and went to work in the furniture factory here in Cork, where I spent six years. And from there on, I went into the army and spent another six years of my life where I, I covered the country. I came out of the army in 78. I started work in the Zambian. September 1978 until January of 82. Since then I've been totally unemployed. And you're what, you're over 30 now? I'm 32 years of age. And, uh, well, in all that time now, uh, you had a kind of a reading and writing disability. Well, how is it that now, uh, since you became unemployed, that you started to do something about it? Well. I sat down, I looked at the papers and see was there any jobs available for me. And all I see is that what jobs were advertised for, advertised for qualified people in engineering and things like that. 
I had no qualifications. So I said to myself, I must do something about it. Well, you're here now a few months. Yeah. Yeah. And have you improved a lot in that time? Well, I feel I have. I feel I've made great progress and continuing to do so. Now, you told me earlier that you used to have difficulty in filling simple things like forms, they're looking for a medical card and all that. Can you fill them now? I filled out a medical card form this morning myself. It took a lot of the day on the climate exchange as they are at 9.30. And were you real proud of that? Oh, like a lock. Happy as a jailbird. The life is such a ride on it. It's the same, like, I suppose, an athlete winning the mile. It's a great achievement for him. You see him at the end of the track. Arms in the air. Big smile out of winning. You know what? When you're down, when you're in a position like myself, everything you do is an achievement in itself. The Northside Adult Literacy Project at 5 Churchfield Avenue in Cork depends a lot on voluntary helpers, people like Mary O'Flynn from Farnree, who didn't realise that so many people can't read or write until she joined the group as a co-worker. It was a very, very big eye-opener to me. I hadn't realised at all, because all adults were, all these adults were very intelligent people, but they had no confidence and they felt too that nobody had their problem. So there, there was nowhere to go and nobody was going to understand. Mothers with big families that had been married for years who would suddenly realise when the kids would start to grow up doing their homework that they could not work along with them or the letters would come from the school and they couldn't read the teacher's comments. And in panic, a lot of the time, people would come and say, will you read that for me? What am I going to do about it? And for me, it was a vast area, but a very, very rewarding area too, because, you know, it takes courage. It takes an awful lot of courage for people who are, you know, married for a number of years and have a very full role in life to come forward and say, well, no, I'm going to do this, and will you help me? You know, and it was, it was very, very enlightening for me anyway. Chief organiser of the Northside Adult Literacy Project in Cork is Maura Dorgan, well known in that city for her involvement with Cork Combat Poverty Resource Project. We call it Right Together, and that means the Northside Adult Literacy Scheme, that's the Northside of Cork Adult Literacy Scheme, it's community based in the north side of the city. But when you say right together now, do you mean R-I-G-H-T or W-R-I-T-E? It's <laughs> a good question. It's W-R-I-T-E, right together. And um, it could be right too because it could be R-I-G-H-T because we believe that being able to read and write is in fact a right that people have. But the reason we called it right together is that in the scheme we stress writing a lot. Um, and the reason we do that is because we feel that by, by writing and putting your thoughts on paper, however difficult that is, that you begin to, um, in a way, get a little bit con of control over the kind of world out there that up until now has been mysterious. Mm -hmm. And also that um, by writing, you're using a number of senses, whereas if you put a lot of stress on reading, uh, you tend to read, to use really only the one 
kind of visual sense, whereas writing, it's a kind of, it, and it's a much more involved activity and more personal activity as well. Now, how many people avail of your scheme? In other words, how many come to you, approximately? Well, I mean, we would have about 80 people on our books. Um, in any one week, there would be 30 to 40 coming through, um, and then there would be other less regular people, and then there are others that we know have a need who, for various reasons, don't or find that they can't or start and don't you know, have the courage to keep going um, in the literacy scheme. Now, we're a fairly uh, new, small scheme, really. We're, we're new at one level in that even though we were working at a, a very low-key level for four or five years, we've only recently um, got acknowledged within the adult education circles as, um, as a scheme. Now, that has never bothered us because we've been working anyway and we know what we've been doing, but more recently the VEC, within the last year and a half, have accepted that um, the work that we're doing is... Um, adult literacy, which they in fact have uh, wanted to support and give us some support for. Now this area here, is it largely what one might call a disadvantaged area? Well, we would call it a, a, a huge working class area in the north side of Cork City. It would cover the scheme and the people who, who work here would come from um, areas like um, Holly Hill, Knocknaheeny, Churchfield, Granabraher, Farranree, um, Blackpool, uh, even some from the Glen, some even across from Ballyfehan, um, and other from other parts of the city as well. But uh, essentially, the scheme is based in that north side. I mean, there'd be fifty, sixty thousand people as a as a population in the area that we would we would cater for. Well, what would you say now to people who might be listening to this program, who have reading and writing problems, who keep it a secret more or less? What should they do? Could you encourage them in any way? Well, I mean, this this program is obviously going out over the national airwaves, and I suppose I'd, I'd say go to the local uh, um, their local uh, vocational education committee officers. Now, you see, for an awful lot of people, th that's it's crazy to say that because what's that? I mean, very few people wouldn't know. Even here around, people wouldn't know what the VEC is. So there is a need for uh, much more publicity. Um, through the television, uh, there is a need for the Department of Education to take on its responsibility in this area because obviously if people have missed out in school and some of the people that you will have spoken today have said that, there is a responsibility in the, on the Department of Education to ensure that adults have a sort of a second chance. Um, so I'd be saying really the Department of Education must put more pressure on and then the VECs have a responsibility to advertise their services if they have those if they have those services available. I mean I'd say to ordinary people who have a problem, if you really are stuck, um, you should well, you could do you could ring a radio programme locally, you could ring I mean you don't have to give your name. You could go to a local teacher maybe if you uh, then again you see a lot of people will be put off going to teachers. But th there might be someone around if you could risk it. Um, but it's a very hidden problem. It's a really difficult situation to deal but with. But it's there nevertheless, and they're oh, it's very much there. in much larger doses than people think. Well, it's very much there, and you see, it's not... I think, in a way, even looking at it as a problem is a bad way, because it's a social issue. It's almost the other side of the coin of um, the examination system. Because, obviously, if you gear your education system to people coming out at the top and competing with each other, the people who can make it in the rat race come out at the other end, and then you define them as a problem. Well, you could actually wonder, is the education system itself the problem, not the people?
and from Cork's north side to Dublin's north side. Here in Colosh the Gooley, Coolock Vocational School, through the good offices of the VEC and the principal John O'Riordan, the adult education officer Kathleen Ford and the group literacy organiser Bernie McCann do their bit to bring reading and writing within the grasp of those who, for one reason or another, missed out at school. I feel I was very shy in national school. I felt I was more pushed by the teachers. They had a different attitude than they have today. But when you left school then, did you have a problem with reading or writing? I did, then? yeah. I hadn't, um, I was more, no confidence with writing. The reading wasn't so bad, but it was the writing. I had no confidence with writing. I find like if I was writing in a group, I'd make more mistakes because I'd be watching myself what I was doing. But did you ever get into any kind of embarrassing situation though, as because you couldn't read a thing or write a thing properly? Yeah, I'd be embarrassed. I'd be embarrassed even over that. Like if I got a form and there was things I couldn't understand on it, I'd have to go up to the desk and ask the lady and I'd be more embarrassed. And like she'd be te telling me which way to fill her out. And again, I'd go back. I'd be putting a blockage in my mind. I'd be so embarrassed that even when I'd be writing the letter, I'd be frightened. And like, from coming to the reading and writing classes, it gives you that more confidence. And there's a lovely warm atmosphere, you know. But when you come at the start, and like, you're nervous, you're frightened. How did uh, you think of coming now to improve your reading and writing? Why did you wait so long? Had you some reason for yeah, following I, it up now? Yes. Oh, I was afraid. I didn't think there was... There's other people like me that had the same trouble that I had with reading and writing, you know. And when I came to the reading and writing classes, I find there's a whole lot of people in the same situation as you are yourself, mm -hmm. you know. So you don't find that you're the only one. You find there's a lot more like you. And you're not alone in the world with your problems. And have you improved a lot now since oh, you came yes, to the I have, class? Yeah. <coughs> yes, I have. I feel now more, I'll get involved in things. I'm not afraid to pick up a letter in other people's company, you know, and I'll read down along and I'll write my name down in front of people and I'm not so much as embarrassed. The reason why I got involved was um, I, want, I wanted, that I started off just, I wanted to be involved in the community, but I was embarrassed by my problem, you know, of writing. So this is how it took me so long anyway to to come to do something about it. So when I came here, it was through group sessions we had done it. Now, I, I don't think I'd have come on just one-to-one -one basis, you know. I did prefer the group. And um, it, like, we gave each other confidence. So you now I'm on a committee. I'm on the board of management in the school, in the local school. And I'm on, I'm on two committees, you know. And um, I feel I'm as good as anyone now. It really and gave me great confidence. That um, I don't. Before I wouldn't write. I, the only one I did write was a sister in Australia. That she understood. She did. She didn't care about me writing once she heard the news. And um, now I'd write to anyone. You know, I don't mind. About, I know I'm not a good writer, but now there's plenty of people like myself. So I have to get just the confidence to write, and that's it. When you go about jobs, it's most embarrassing. You just won't go for a job because you're afraid they're going to give you the form to fill in. 
and you're looking for an easy way out of the office. No. It's really dreadful. Well, I remember going to uh, over to England, and I was on the plane, and the nun, uh, the hostess came around, and uh, she was given these forms for people to fill in getting off the airport, and uh, I got all panicky about it really, and I said to the nun, "Oh God, says I, I can't even see the forms as I." So I thought to fill it in. Oh, sister nun, she says, I'll do that for you. She said, don't worry about it. So I told the nun where I lived, my address, and I was going for a weekend, and, you know, and it was very embarrassing because you just feel a fool, you know, and I don't know. It, it even stopped me from traveling, kind of. You know, I'm afraid to get on a plane now in case when I get off they'll give me another form. And I mightn't find anyone as nice as the nun beside me on the You might end up in the wrong country. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, even, even that. Yeah. But, um, and then when you're out with friends, as I said, they're, they're giving you papers and they're saying, did you see this in the paper? Did you see that? And maybe there's a crowd together and you're saying, maybe hand you the paper for to look and you're just looking into space, really. And they're saying, wasn't it dreadful? And you're dying for someone to say, oh, yes, and did you see what she did? And did you see what he did? And you're kind of getting the, the grasp of it, <laughs> you know? But it's really dreadful, you know? How about the writing, then? I'm a good writer, if I could spell. You know, I'm fairly good at writing. Even the doctor said I'm of a... I have a nice hand at writing, but the thing is, I can't spell. But did you find out that a lot of people like you, who have a problem with reading and, reading and writing, that they uh, tried to cover it up? Oh, yes. Oh, I, most people do. Because it's very embarrassing, really. It's just something there that you could never learn or something. I don't know where it is at all. But how is it you never bothered to do anything about it until now? Well, the more older I'm getting, the more self-conscious maybe I'm getting of it. You know, like, I want to be able to read and write before I die. <laughs> <laughs> you think you've been mis missing out on lots yes, of things? Yes, I have. I've been missing out on an awful lot. I'd like to be able to sit down and read a good book, and, you know, in the evenings and all that. No, but you can't do that. Would you think you will now when you attend the classes well, I hope here? To. I hope to. I really think I've learned a little bit even since I came, and that's only about two or three weeks then. No, I'm really trying. assessed when I was 12 years of age in the St. John of God's I went down there and uh, I remember there was the, the psychiatrist I think it was a psychiatrist anyway who assessed me and, and he couldn't he couldn't understand it the, in fact he brought in two other two of his mates in to listen to me you know the way I was able to rattle off things you know? and uh, I always had a gift gift for the gab you know so 
it didn't hold me back. But he said that oh, it's it's only it's only it's only dyslexia. You'll grow out of it, you know. And I said, by when? And he said, uh, well, I couldn't tell you, but you'll grow out of it. So I was expecting all along suddenly <laughs> to grow out of this this problem I had. You know, all this, this what was it? The, the light would shine on me somehow, and I'd, I'd I'd take off. It never happened, you know. It didn't happen in that way anyway. But um, after after my first interview, anyway, it, which was a failure, I decided I'd do something about it. And the only way I thought I could do something was to go to Anko. So I went to Anko for training. And but after the Anko training, I went looking for work, and I found out that it was still a problem. I still couldn't read or write. No one wants to know you if you can't read or write. I mean, you probably only get the very basic jobs, and most of them you don't wouldn't stay very long in them anyway. So uh, I I started to look for help then, and I went to the Institute of Adult Education in Mount Joy Square for about three years. But I wasn't in a literacy class, I was in basic English, and I think that probably made it harder, you know, I had to work harder. But eventually it did click, and uh, I'm now working here, well, I'm on the committee of, of this, particular, this particular literacy scheme, and I help out as much as I can. I'm also uh, on the executive of NALA, which is the National Adult Literacy Agency, and uh, which is the umbrella or body for most, most of the, um, literacy work in the country. So uh, I think I've come on a long, a long way, you know, over the years, but uh, I wouldn't wish the fact of not being able to read and write on my worst enemy. I left school around 12 because we moved and it was too far to go to the school and I, and I knew myself I couldn't read then and I didn't want to go into the school where I lived and getting to know all the young ones and saying, well, she can't read. I always regret never starting back school at 12 and staying there till I was 20. But as I say, the school class was far too big and there wasn't enough of uh, relationships with the parents to be involved as there is now. You know the way you have a parent-teacher meeting. I know myself. Any complaint my child has, and down to this, I nearly know every school, every teacher that my kids have to go through their hands. I get to know the person to make sure that my kids don't come out with the same mistake I did in school. My mother had never. She never brought us to school. She never went to the teachers. She never brought us when we made a confirmation or communion. She dressed us up, sent us out. We went to school. She thought we learned. She didn't ask us, did we, or did we not? She took it for granted that we were doing it. The only time the school inspector would come and you weren't in school, and he'd say, make sure she's there tomorrow. But, like, he'd never say to her, how is she reading? Can she write? Does she know the clock? No, they don't ask you those questions. And nowadays, the kids are learning to know the clock in school at an early age. You know? And you have a parent-teacher meeting, they go on regular. Then you can go in and ask the teacher, how is your child doing? And if they're not doing well, then you say, you, your own idea is say, well, do they need special classes? More times than any they do, and it's the best thing for them. Did you ever get into any awkward situations now because you couldn't <coughs> read well or write well? No, I reckon if I knew how to read and write, I would have gone further on in a, a decent job. And in the jobs I had, I always left them because I was nearly on the opportunity of being promoted. But what kind of jobs did you do? I worked at making, um, I was always in food factories because I thought that's, that's all I could do. 
because other factories you might have the fill and forms, this, that and the other, I probably would have been able to cope with them. But I just didn't give myself that challenge. I always went from one job to the other. You know, after two years, three years, make a clean break, new faces, new people. And I survived. And I said, myself, I think I survived very well. My husband often says to me, how, how do you manage when you're in a situation talking to people about the newspapers? Four times out of ten, I might go along with them. I might disagree with them. I don't seem to go in any hassle. And they think I'm as wise as they are, even not clever. You know, the way I can push it up. Well, that's my situation of it. Bernie McCann is involved with literacy groups in Dublin's north side for many years and has seen the development of literacy schemes in all stages. And from your experience now, Bernie, I know that a lot of the people who come here are around 30 plus. Um, would you say that less and less people are coming out with literacy problems from schools now, or is it much the same all the time? as it was, say, 20 years ago? Well, it's very difficult. I mean, there has been a survey done in the inner city where they estimate there's about 4,000 people unable to read and write in the inner city of Dublin, but it's very difficult to get figures from the primary schools as regards the number of children going on into second level with reading and writing difficulties. But it's been our experience that if we had the facilities here and we had the funding, that we could cater for, um, there would be much more uh, young people actually coming forward. So I would say that they're still coming out of school unable to read and write. And um, I, I can't see any change, really. Is there a shortage of money now or a shortage of funds? Does that hold the scheme back? I think if we had had money, God, I think we could have begun. We haven't even begun. Although last year we had over 100 people came to the scheme. And we ran it as best we could. Um, the VEC uh, pay for, I think, 10 teaching hours a week, which the group tutors get because they organise what we call uh, workshops. We have five workshops. But the amount of administration and that involved in meeting students and tutors and training courses, um, until we get funding for the scheme itself, um, we haven't even started to develop or develop materials or approaches or anything it's it's really very difficult to operate on a on a voluntary basis and yet you are depending an awful lot on people who will give of their spare time to help you well there wouldn't uh, there would never literacy there wouldn't have been anywhere for people to go with reading and writing problems if the general public hadn't come forward and offered offer their services. I mean, way back there, um, years ago, I remember the Department of Education wouldn't even recognise that we had people in this country unable to read and write. I remember campaigning and being outside the department, trying to tell them, walking up, organising some sort of a protest to tell them we had people unable to read and write. They now have recognised the problem, and they are doing, beginning to do something um, um, to fund um, both the National Adult Literacy Agency and hopefully they will now fund through the VECs um, literacy schemes that have been struggling for years on their own without any resources and hopefully uh, literacy work will develop.